I get asked a lot about what content to focus on as it seems like a lot of supply chain professionals are getting overwhelmed before they even start consuming industry content. So I sought out someone who can help all of us and trust me when I say his methods work because he tested them on me during the episode and they absolutely do work. So in last week's episode, Howard Berg, the world's fastest reader, joined us to talk about his speed learning techniques and how they can help us consume content easier. Go and check that out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two episode 91. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I cannot wait to share with you some of the exciting things I am working on for 2020. What I can share with you now is that I'll be joining Algo once again for their invite-only sessions about the future of supply chain in a city near you. I will also be moderating the leadership panel again at TPM. Plus, I'm involved in their Women in Supply Chain initiatives and a few more that have not been released yet. For the SC Supply Chain TV on YouTube, YouTube, I will continue to collaborate and bring you more shows from around the world on amazing subjects and we will continue to collaborate with supply chain professionals eager to work in the media side opportunities so that they can do that. It is the beginning of December and you know what that means, highlighting a powerhouse woman in supply chain. Today is no different as we hear about a woman who left the workforce to raise her children and how she came back into the workforce and what helped in that tradition uh, transition. So much amazing stuff, but first we need to get to the question of the week. So this is a big one. I think I had over like 70 comments. My apologies if I don't get to everybody. But the question came from Radu Palomario out of Singapore. What is the most overutilized buzzword in supply chain lingo today? Well, over on LinkedIn, Eric Valaquette says blockchain. Miguel says, I would say next day deliveries. Naomi says AI and machine learning. So does Balashwar Thakur. Uh, he also said that uh, AI and machine learning were some of his. Over on my LinkedIn, that's where we got the most answers to this question. Um, Archutha says supply chain digitalization. I can't even say the word. We use it so much. Uh, Manuel 
he said digital and then he said some German word that I don't really understand, but if you go to the page, you might be able to understand it yourself. He also said value added, hands on. Um, Daria says visibility. I can't say it anymore. It's like a Justin Bieber song on repeat. No offense to Justin. Irina says end to end visibility. Preeti says um, that she agrees with Irina on that one. The buzzword started back in 2014 to 2015 and it still continues. Derek says visibility as well. Um, best practices and optimization. Tim Dyer, shared value opportunity, says that is a shocking phrase. And uh, Daniel Stanton, he weighed in and uh, he said, he actually agreed with Tim and uh, said something about the solution involves savings realized through market arbitrage, whatever that means. Dr. Hugo Britt says value chain. Derek says supply chain transformation. Jeff, strategic supplier relationships. Henrik, supply because he wants to see it, to, he wants it to be demand or need instead. Emiliano Intracaso, resilience, but I really like that word, so I don't know if I agree with you on that one. Uh, Audrey Ross, platform, visibility. She's like, I don't care where it is as long as it's on time. She also doesn't like disruption. It, is it really a disruption or is it a slight change or slight modification? If you are going to use disruption, I need to feel disrupted. I feel you, Audrey. Anthony says, lingo, Jolene, customer experience. Daniel Stanton again says, benchmark. He thinks that that's our biggest buzzword. Gian says, agile. Um, Amanda says, digital transformation and agile. And so much more. Lisa Fenton says, expedite, just get it here yesterday. Um, and so many more over on Instagram. Shipment, the supply chain guy says demand. Renew says digitalization. And Diane says tariffs. Thank you to everyone who commented and shared their thoughts with the community. We will continue to highlight a question of the week and give you a chance to share your insights so we can all learn from each other. Make sure to go to listeners corner at letstalksupplychain.com for all of these conversations. There were some of the conversations that I just didn't get through on this introduction today and you can find it all there. So back to today's episode. It's an exciting episode. I can't wait for you to meet Lisa Fenton, a self advocate for what she wants and helping other women to better their career journey. So let's get to know a little bit more about Lisa. So Lisa Fenton is a certified supply chain management professional, supply chain manager, and an advocate of championing, championing women back to work with a focus on negotiating beyond salary. Lisa enjoyed 12 years with her three boys at home in Bowmanville before going back to work. Passionate about case studies, she took the challenge of getting back to work and used the problem-solving formula and gap analysis to map her own journey of getting back into the workforce. When Lisa attended her first supply chain professionals event, upon deciding to return to work, she told herself, you are just like them. The only difference is 
your past doesn't have a company listed under your name. Now let's get Let's go get a job to add to your resume. She walked into the event and introduced herself to a lot of peers, heard some great presentations and met some vendors. One of the ladies she met was really interested in how she was approaching her return to work journey and asked her to write an article for purchasing B2B. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks very much, Sarah. I'm so glad to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I mean, I've spoken on the show before about the importance of LinkedIn, but you and I connected on LinkedIn. You reached out to me and I'm so glad you did because you're such a powerhouse woman in supply chain and uh, you and I have collaborated in a, in a few different uh, content formats. And I think we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But now you're part of my Woman in Supply Chain series. And I'm really excited to introduce you to the community and for other people to find out, you know, who you are, what you're doing and, and what you're passionate about in the industry. So why don't we get started and, and have you tell us about your journey? You know, what does that look like? How did you get into supply chain? You know, what did the journey look like in between then and now? and what are you doing now? Sure, thank you so much. So the journey started uh, quite a while back. I've been back to work now for about 10 years. Before I went back to work, I was fortunate to be home with our three boys for 12 years. And before that, um, obviously, I went to college, got a diploma, actually specialized in marketing, not supply chain. <laughs> but while I was in uh, those entry year positions, back in the beginning of my career, I kept thinking to myself, gee, you know, I'd really like to be on the other side of the phone call. I'd like to be the one placing the orders and I'd like to be the one expediting. And I just really had a keen interest to get on the other side of the the phone call, so to speak. So before I left the workforce, uh, I started taking night school courses in supply chain, went through the four basic principal courses, and then exited to be with our boys for that time. Uh, when I got back in to the workforce about 10 years ago or so, I jumped back in at an entry level because I knew uh, the transition would take some time to get back into the field. So I was fortunate to get in um, after a year of searching and going through that personal return to work journey. I joined in at the entry level oh, in the customer service. You. Oh, you lost me? Mm, might be my internet. Are you still there? Hello? Hmm. Hello? Hold on, Lisa. I lost you. I lost you for a minute. Oh no! Problem. So I lost you at um, after a year. So can you start there? Okay, sure. Okay, so okay. after. Am I still there? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, so um, yeah. So I gave myself uh, a year to get back into the workforce, jumping back into the entry level uh, customer service position. And really wanted to try uh, to get back into the supply chain field where my interests were. So I was fortunate to join a company that had an amazing training program. And <clears throat> just around the end of my training time, um, you know, I was working really hard, getting product knowledge, learning SAP, just uh, learning the ins and outs of the new company that I was joining. And I kept saying to myself, you know, I really want to get back into supply chain. I even visualized the lady's job who I wanted to take. Yes, I love that. Sorry, I, I just want to jump in there because I love the fact that you're talking about visualizing the job that you wanted and the fact that you 
you know, you transitioned out of the workforce and, you know, you took care of family. You did what you wanted to do at that point in your juncture. And then you came back into the workforce and you were ready to work and observe, uh, absorb as much as you can and learn. And then you visualized the opportunity and the chances that you wanted in your, in your career. And I, I think that that's, you know, something really to highlight and kudos to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, after the three months, so I was, you know, visualizing where I wanted to be. That person actually put her hand up and said, hey, I'm leaving. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm right where I want to be. But my boss <laughs> was not so happy. <laughs> so when I approached her about going for the opportunity to join the planning department, I kind of put it in a way that I would hope would help her. So I said, you know, I really hope you're going to approve of this move. Um, I can really help your team out better on the other side because I know exactly the answers that your team needs and the format that they need the data in. And she was like, well, you know, we just literally finished training you. And I was like, I know, but I really want this opportunity. So I was lucky that she supported me and I could go for the position. So I did all the preparation like I normally would. I got out my supply chain notes and got in a supply chain uh, mindset because it's different than customer service. I contacted all my old uh, references who had just helped me a few months before and said, hey, you know, I'm still in the same company, but I'm going to move forward. I'm looking for your support again. And they were like, sure, no problem. So I went for the interview and got the position and was so happy to be back in the planning department. Absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, you were a real champion and advocate for the next steps in your journey and your career, which is extremely important and something that I think we should talk about. So I want to ask you what your passions are. Um, you know, I guess not only in supply chain, but maybe in business, maybe in your career, um, and what you are you know, what you're passionate about, because I think you're quite an advocate in a few different areas. And I want to be able to highlight that for the community. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I guess kind of one lady I spoke with on a previous podcast kind of mentioned to me that, you know, it seems like your thread runs all the way through your journey. And I was surprised. I'd never really thought about it before. But she said, you know, it seems like you're a fearless uh, learner, like you take that technology and you just jump in and you don't have a fear of learning, which really did help me when I was in that customer service position looking to go to planning because I kept saying to myself, it's not enough to know the customer service side. How do the planners get their data out of SAP? How do they drill into that data? How do they get those answers for us? And that really helped when I went for that next step that I wanted to get. And I think too, I like drilling into the data, like knowing you know, what do the numbers really mean? Because when you start looking at problem solving and doing your case studies, those numbers really present a different story than when you first look at the numbers. And I think that's kind of fun to see, yeah, you know, I, what is... Yeah. Go. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, to see what's really going on. Like, it just, it's kind of fun doing those case studies. And I know one of the ones we did in our supply chain course was... Um, this is going to sound funny, but <laughs> it was on farms and pigs and getting pigs to the to the houses and, you know, how many trucks would you use and how many pigs would fit in. And it was just kind of crazy, <laughs> but it was so fun. <laughs> and so that's kind of where I um, where I really enjoy drilling into the data and seeing the real story. Yeah. And a, an important piece of what you just said there, too, is that expanded mindset. 
right? And I and I've spoken about this on a couple of other episodes is, you know, not only focusing on your job at hand and what you're there doing on a daily basis, but taking an interest in the different departments that are upstream and downstream and finding out how they feed into each other, how, you know, maybe you can help them, how they can help you do your job better and just, you know, even starting those conversations, right? Yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, it's so important in today's work environment. I mean, at our work, even though we're a small company and we have different departments, you really can't get through the day without, like you say, helping another department. Like maybe they don't understand, okay, you know, they know the product's supposed to be here and it doesn't show up and you're trying to educate them on why, you know, well, there's thousands of variables that happen, as we know, when we take goods around the world. I mean, there's time zones, there's, you know, airplane schedules, there's getting bumped, there's even crazy things like um, contamination and it's just, the list goes on and on and there's so many variables that, you know, when they look at you and you say, well, I'm sorry, it's not going to be here, but then you're telling them, you know, really what's going on behind the scenes, it's kind of brings it into perspective for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's just a great way to, you know, look at things. I mean, I talk about collaboration being the future of business all the time on this show. <laughs> I'm not sure if listeners are tired of hearing it, but I am a true advocate of collaboration, you know, and opening up that mindset and really, you know, working together with other departments that, you know, may or may not even have a direct impact on what you're doing, but are part of that value chain um, that you're all trying to bring to the customer. And so I want to, you talked about, you know, leaving the workforce, um, having kids, and then transitioning back into the workforce. Some women would look at that like it's a risk. Would you say that that was, you know, one of the biggest risks that you took in your career? And how did you, how did you decide to do it? What, what made you, you know, decide to stay at home with your kids and then transition back? What was the hardest part? Maybe what was the most rewarding? Yeah. So lots of fun in there. Um, We decided as a family that, you know, with three kids, it just didn't make sense economically to go back to work. It just would have been too costly. Um, so I was fortunate that we were in that kind of a position to accommodate that and am very appreciative of having that time with our kids. Uh, when I was le- looking to go back, I really didn't have anything to, I guess, guide me on that return to work journey. So what I did was, it's going to sound funny, but I like like in case studies, I looked at myself as a case study and I said, well, I am the problem. That's where I started. And so I took the problem solving steps, the eight steps that you go through to solve a problem. And I've put myself into that template. And then from there, I looked at the gap analysis tool, which we use a lot in supply chain. And I looked at my gaps and I said, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. And the criteria that I looked at to get that information was myself, the economy, uh, and our boys. So when I drilled into all that data, what I found out was that a lot of the skills that I had before I left were still valuable skills. I just needed to refresh them a little bit. And once I did that, the transition was a lot easier Mm -hmm. and the timeline decreased. Um, So I did a lot of training on my own. I tried to cut costs and I tried to be efficient. And with three little boys at home, it was also a matter of timing. Like I just couldn't be in school for months or weeks at a time. So I did a lot of uh, upgrading on my own, which really helped. Mm -hmm. And I think just being 
just having the mindset to just jump back in. I mean, you use the technology years ago, it really hasn't changed that much in terms of Excel and Word and those typical office suite platforms. I mean, SAP is a whole different ballgame, but I was fortunate in that that company had a really good training program Mm -hmm. and I wasn't afraid of just jumping back in. Well, and I also think that, you know, depending on which technology platforms they're currently using in that company, you're going to have a learning curve, no matter whether you're jumping from job to job or you're just getting back into the workforce. Yeah, Um, for sure. And I think, so did you take some, you know, micro courses? They weren't, you know, big courses with designations at the end or... Um, ones that would take months on end. Were you focused more on micro courses where they were, you know, smaller, smaller bits and bytes of the information and the, and the upgrades that you needed for yourself, right? So you sort of customized that journey for yourself? Yeah. So it's going to sound funny, but I actually asked for manuals for PowerPoint and Visio for Mother's Day. And I taught myself those programs over the summer. I just sat with the manual page by page and just did the whole manual and figured it out. So I saved a lot of money in those two courses. For Excel and for Word, I had taken them in college, so I wasn't really um, not able to grasp the concept. I just needed to refresh. So what I did was I found right. a one-day one day course that was free at an adult learning center, and I took just a one-day course for each of them. And then I awesome. thought, well, you know, I really need a certificate. Like you say, it adds to the credibility. So I asked the lady who was running the course, I said, listen, I know there's, you know, beginning, intermediate and advanced. I really can't spend, you know, three weeks on each course times hundreds of dollars. Can I just look at the manual for the advanced courses for both of them? And she said, sure, you know, so she handed me the manual. I looked it over and I said, I can do this. I can, you know, I can grasp this in a week. I don't have all this money and all this time. So I just signed up for the advanced courses and she looked at me like I was kind of from Mars, but <laughs> but I was in a position where I was just wanting to get it, you know, get those courses uh, the most reasonable and time efficient way possible. So that's what I did. Wow. And, I, and I made it through. I mean, I almost got perfect on the one and I got a B plus on the other one. So I was happy with myself and I had then a current, certificate to validate that I had those skills. Awesome. And I think the moral of that story is if you if you really want it, you can make it happen. You know, regardless of where you are financially or in your career and whether you've you've taken different risks that may or may not have paid off, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, mindset and and maybe and, and thinking outside of the box a little bit too, which I love. So one of the things that you know brought us together was you were talking about negotiation. And negotiation, I think, is a tough one um, in business. It's a tough one for people in general. And so, and I know you're really passionate about it. I know you're an advocate of it. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? What what are your thoughts around negotiation? Do you have any tips? for women in supply chain when they're looking to maybe go into different positions or looking to negotiate more of a salary? You know, what what can you share with us in that regard? Sure. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So a lot of times we fear negotiation, but really it's, it's not that difficult when you kind of look at it as... Um, defining a problem like you're you're looking for an integrative solution that will help both parties so you want to do the win-win you don't want to do the bully tactic or whatever they they say right Mm -hmm. but so often um fortunately uh, we as women 
do not champion well for ourselves, we put so much effort into championing for others. And when it comes to our own personal uh, way to go about it, we just, I don't know, we're hesitant or we're, we stand back a bit. And the thing is that if you look at other uh, opportunities other than your salary, it can make such a substantial difference in the course of your whole career. Like all those extras really add up and they're not taxable. And that's where a lot of people I think are missing out. You know, maybe you want education reimbursement. Maybe you want to have paid days to do uh, volunteer work. Whatever your passion or your area of interest is, you can gain so much value by negotiating those other things as well as your salary. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, I don't know about you, but we sort of make up decisions for other people without exploring it, right? Oh, no, I don't think they'll ever do that. Oh, no, I don't ever see, I think that they'll see my point of view on that or or give me that time off or things like that. But I'd like to, I'd like to say that I think companies are growing um, from an EQ point of view, I guess I could say. And I think they're also looking at, you know, their teams, their employees more holistically, right? We know that we spend a lot of time at work. We know we want to, we need productivity, right? To be able to move the business forward. And I think it, you know, really makes a difference. I was talking to Nicholas from Centiro about this. I was also talking to uh, another gentleman about this, about taking a look at your team member as a whole. You know, what are their passions at work? What are their passions outside of work? What do they like to do? And how can we accommodate it so that they're living their best life? Right. And so I think that you're right. I think that we need to come into these negotiations and not focus so much on it financially. I mean, unless that's your goal, Um, but look at the different ways to enable yourself to have the best life and also give your employer the opportunity to give you that best life as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, so often you see like, you know, we're all at work, like you say, how many hours a day and how many days a Mm -hmm. week, and you just need to find a little bit of balance. And I think even simple changes like recently at our work we we were allowed to pick a schedule which kind of sounds crazy but it just makes such a difference like myself now I'm working seven to three I used to previously work 8 30 to 4 30 well by the time you get home and you get supper and you're trying to do after school activities or whatever you're trying to do in the evening you're almost mm-hmm. done like just that little bit of flexibility I think really puts energy back into your workforce and allows them to just have a little bit of balance. Absolutely. I was talking to a lady the other day and uh, she's passionate about tennis. And so on the nights that she's got the tennis matches, her work knows that she's going to leave early. But the other days, you know, she's working 12 hour days, not necessarily to make up for it. She's waiting for, you know, traffic to die down, but it allows her that flexibility to be able to go and do what she wants to do. Um, in the time that she wants to do it without feeling stressed about it, right? Without feeling stressed about leaving work early or having to leave work at five to get there for six with all that traffic. So I think it's really, really important. So do you have any sort of tips that you would give, you know, our listener base on how to approach those situations or have a successful negotiation? Yeah, I mean, for myself personally, I've always 
kind of tried to keep a list, like what have I accomplished during the year that I can bring to the table for my review? So, you know, every once in a while, you just keep a folder and you just put in, you know, what have you done? You know, I created this efficiency or I helped save money here or, you know, you helped another department, whatever your savings or your value is, keep it in a file. And then when you're ready to go in for that discussion, you've got everything already already ready and you're, you can just quickly review it and then go from there and you have something to back up your request of, you know, that couple extra percent or that extra thing that really means the difference to you in that negotiation. And it's funny because um, I was speaking to a, like a junior person in our company and she was like, well, you know, my position is not really about saving money. And I said, well, wait a minute, you know, if you gain an efficiency for the company, and if you add that up every day and add that up every week and every month and over a year, there's value to that. Like you take, Absolutely. you know, you take what you make an hour, figure out if you've saved a half an hour, multiply it, multiply it again and multiply it again. And soon you've got a significant savings that you can say, hey, here's what I bring to the table. Yeah. And it's, it's about just putting in that little bit of extra effort on your behalf, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're already saving the company money, but you're just not presenting it during your annual review, it's a shame because you're losing out. Like you've done that, you've done that extra step at your job. You've helped the company, you know, be more efficient, whatever, whatever the initiative is, you know, you should have value from that as well. Yeah. And sometimes I think we put that onus on other people, you know, whether it's management, whether it's your boss. And, you know, you're kind of like, see me, see me, you know, I've done this, that, and this and that, and they should know. But at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have our own things to do on a day-to-day basis and we're all doing our best. And sometimes we do miss some of that. And so I think it's a mindset shift around what am I doing for myself so that I make sure that my value is being recognized the way I would like my value to be recognized and not put that onus on somebody else, take responsibility for it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Because I mean, a lot of the times, unfortunately, we're doing the job. We just don't have the title or the compensation that goes along with it. Right. That not that so true? I think a lot of people are in different positions out there thinking that exact thought. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that is really, really great advice when it comes to, you know, self-advocacy, which I think is truly important for everybody um, to listen to and learn. You talked about um, having a junior person in your company. What, you know, what advice would you give to um, students coming out of maybe college or university, some of the supply chain management um, courses? Uh, looking to get into the workforce? Well, I don't know if a lot of people really think about it, but the interesting thing is when you're looking at your your whole career over 40 years, if you negotiate that $5,000 more for your first career position, your first real career position, it can make up to, they've quoted it anywhere between $600,000 and a million dollars difference. Wow. That people don't think about that. No, we don't. Yeah. (laughs) Those are some crazy numbers and not, that's not something that I've ever really heard before. No? No, 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 no. I've, I've never really thought about, you know, what, what I should have done earlier 
in my career. Um, yeah, well, it compounds, better, right? Put myself into a better position financially. Yeah, I never yeah. thought that. Yeah, it compounds so much, and you don't think about over forty years of your working life. Right. That first career negotiation is critical, absolutely critical. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I was reading something somewhere the other day that in supply chain, there's been a million positions field, filled and there's 10,000 positions opening up every single day. Like it's a, it's a pretty dynamic industry that we, that we work in. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about talent, right? How there's a talent shortage. Um, and I don't know if you're hearing about that, but I'm hearing a lot about the talent shortage. And I think for me, it's a bit of a mismatch. And we talk about value. I think it's a mismatch of value, right? People not maybe presenting their value enough for a specific position and maybe, you know, employers not asking the right questions. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting, actually. I'm working on a blog that um, is going to be posted in a couple weeks and it's on supply chain and the funny thing is um, the company who I'm working with they support people who are returning to work so anybody who's you know had a gap and looking for a position and the interesting thing in this blog is that you're absolutely right there's huge posting and there's huge shortage for supply chain professionals but a lot of times people don't even consider the supply chain field and the interesting thing is there's so many transferable skills that you can bring into supply chain mm -hmm. i mean time management budgeting um, and there's so many different areas that you can focus on i mean it's you know manufacturing transportation warehouse distribution i mean i don't need to remind you you and i know but so many people don't realize the vast amount of opportunities that are out there um you know in procurement operations logistics and the thing is, it goes across all levels, like it starts at the, you know, the entry level and it goes right across to the executive level. And now even the C-suite uh, level is opening up into supply chain. So the opportunities are incredible right now. Yeah, yeah they're really abundant. And I'm sure because you said that you started in marketing before you went into supply chain. And I'm sure some of your marketing skills have transferred into your career as a supply chain professional, right? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, supply chain, like we know, is an end-to-end -end process. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're not just making the one customer happy. It's you're making the customer service team happy. You're making the warehouse happy. You're making the executives happy. You're making the shareholders happy. I mean, it's that awareness that, you know, you're not just in your little procurement or your supply chain function. It's the whole end-to-end -end process that's going through your whole company. And helping, you know, your customers get that value. Yeah, and I was talking to somebody yesterday. It's not even just about your customers. It's about your customer's customer these days, right? Because yeah, yeah. there's such an emphasis on customer experience that, you know, we talk about, you know, um, expanding our mindset. <laughs> We've now, and you, you talk about end-to-end. -end. Well, now we're expanding it even further to that customer's customer and making sure that everybody along that chain is well taken care of um, to be successful. So I want to talk about the future. What's next for Lisa? What are you working on? <laughs> well, I've started championing others who are getting back to work and in my free time I work um, on the side I write blogs I go to conferences speak to people who have gaps and just trying to help them you know open their eyes to 
what they can do with negotiation, um, how they can create their own personal plan. Like myself, I didn't have any plan when I went back to work. Like I said, I looked at myself as the problem, put myself in the case study template and just started. So I'm just trying to help others find their way back in their return to work journey. I love that. How are you finding that part of your your passion? How are you, how are you finding that part of your advocacy? <laughs> I love it. I need to work on my public speaking. <laughs> That's everybody, not my strong point. <laughs> does everybody, I'm telling you, 18 months ago, I was terrified of the stage. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've had lots of great opportunities, though. Like, in June, I was at a very large conference in the States. I got the opportunity to go to Chicago and work with this company that I'm publishing the blog with in a few weeks. And I spoke to an amazing group of women there, such high level um, of education. I, I was almost like afraid to say what my education was <laughs> because these women are so, um, you know, they have so many degrees and they're, you know, PhDs, MBAs, lawyers. I could not believe the caliber of, you know, these ladies who are looking to go back to work. And the funny thing is they have so such a variety of skills, but it's just getting over that mindset. Like, they just have to show their value mm-hmm. and stand firm on their value, and I think they'll be fine. But it was an amazing experience. Well, congratulations. That's that's a huge Thank you. step. Um, and one thing that I'm going to say about you is that you take the bull by the horns and you make your own opportunities. And I think that, you know, that's something to be admired. Um, and, you know, you, you you're not necessarily you know, good at everything, but you're going to try it and you're going to put your 110% in and uh, you're going to keep moving forward, you know, one step at a time and opening up those doors and creating those opportunities for yourself. And so something for us all to learn from. So I want to say, um, you know, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. I think that the listeners are going to get so much out of your story, of your journey, um, learning from your advocacy and learning just some of the skills that we need to take the steps that we need to move forward in our journeys and careers. So for more information about Lisa, about women in supply chain, please go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 92. And Lisa, I want to thank you for coming on the show, trusting me to tell your story and for sharing your journey with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. It's always a fun time to collaborate together. If you like this episode, we highlight a woman in supply chain on the podcast and the blog every single month. And I now have a page totally dedicated to this series. And you'll find that uh, at woman in supply chain on letstalksupplychain.com. So be sure to check out all the other stories full of advice, overcoming challenges, and so much more. Next week, CCM, Mike from CCM is here with me to talk about chassis and their new and innovative initiative around chassis pools so that we can make sure that we've got chassis available wherever and whenever we need them, which is truly a gap in supply chain that we need to make sure is getting solved. And they are definitely doing that for us. So stay tuned as next week I talk to Mike from CCM Pools. You are not going to want to miss that episode. Thank you so much for your support. But if you'd like to continue supporting the show, there's a few ways to do that. 
follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Su- subscribe to the newsletter on letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe to the SC Supply Chain TV or the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com. Go there. Fill in your information. We are almost there. I promise. You're going to want to be one of the first to know what we've been working on, especially if you are a mid-market shipper or a freight forwarder that is looking for more. You want to be one of those people. So go to ships.com and sign up. We've got a lot of really great merchandise over at letstalksupplychain.com under shop. We've got the supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms, definitions that you need for your supply chain career. Plus, we've got some amazing shirts, t-shirts with great motivating uh, sayings, plus some funny ones. We've got some accessories. So go and check that out for the supply chain professional that is in your life. Lastly, rate and review the show. Go to iTunes, rate and review the show, and I will feature your review on an upcoming episode. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Thank you so much for all your love and support. And remember, everybody, ship happens. Thank <laughs> you.